Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified four victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> You are now listening to Grinding True Crime with your hosts, Maddie Mack, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Grinding True Crime podcast with your host, Maddie Mack, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are back here live, picking in another episode. But before we get it started, I'm going to introduce. You, not introduce, but tell you guys where you can find us. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, Grinding True Crime Podcast, as well as our Instagram page. Uh, you can listen to us while you're driving or working out or just want to listen to some true crime stories. You can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchors, iTunes, and Pandora. And for those who are supporting us outside the country, we love you. You can listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public. Breaker and Pocket Cash. And Todd got something to tell y'all. We got merchandise. Where can we get that, Todd? Redbubble.com. And you type in Todd Fox 80 and you could find all the grinding true crime stuff right there. I still have yet to get it changed over, but it's going to be changed over. But that's the stuff you got to put in is uh, Todd Fox 80 and then all the grinding true crime stuff is there. All right. Thank you. And as always, listener discretion is always advised because we can never know what details we're going to be talking about and so with all that being said without further ado i'm going to turn the floor over to todd so he can break down his story for this week tell him what it is todd this story has to has involved um a former police officer and it is pretty crazy pretty wild there's a lot of twists and turns Uh this one is local and uh to us really yeah and this happened just a few years ago, and uh, it was front. You guys might know the story once I get into it, but um, it is probably one of the craziest stories. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't write this in a movie. Well, yeah, you can. It's yeah. been, it's been <laughs> in plenty of uh, cop movies. So really, yeah, yeah. This was something that I mean, I swear, it was a real life movie that came to life. Um, like you've seen all the movies where an honest cop or a cop was trying to, uh, you know take care of a corrupt police force and Mm -hmm. you know he was fired or jailed and and he becomes a rogue former cop and he tries to stop the you know the the cops the current cops from doing wrongs and committing crimes Mm -hmm. and uh there's a movie like that there's a ton of movies but like one is uh copland by with sylvester stallone okay and uh yeah, this this one is pretty much it doesn't follow the script, but it has some similarities and okay. uh, it plays out in real life. So um, as we go along the story, you know, some people will to this day consider this man a hero um, and some people think he's a scum of the earth. There's really no in between. It's um, like that. It's like that. Yeah. So by the end of this description. I'm going to tell you how I feel, man. But so far, I'm leaning towards scumbag. <laughs> For some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards scumbag. I don't know. Oh, okay. You said police and corruption, so that's all I had to hear. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're you're gonna get both sides of this and just judge it for you guys yourself. Like like, you know, you're, you'll see you'll see what happens uh, when we get in. But but the story is about Christopher Dorner. Have you guys heard of him? That name kind of sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, well, this this happened not too long ago, within the uh, the 2010s, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um. So this was this case was almost like it, it was so huge it was considered to be the biggest dragnet and the mobilization of police ever in Los Angeles I mean it was front page news it was nationwide all of the LAPD was on tactical alert I think I know yeah okay got it all right so let's get started um, Christopher Jordan Dorner was born on June 4th 1979 in New York Mm. but moved to California just a year later um, as a baby with his mom and two sisters. Um, his father abandoned them at birth. So, oh, dang. Yeah. So his mom pretty much had to raise him and his two sisters. Dang. Um, the neighborhood was opposite of what I grew up in. You know, I was the only white kid in, in a black neighborhood. Well, uh-huh. he was the only black kid in a white neighborhood. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, um... He, that's Dorn, where it started yeah Dorn, <laughs> exactly Dorner grew up in a white neighborhood from kindergarten to seventh grade and uh, was mostly white uh you know he was probably like 95 percent white in that neighborhood he was like the only african-american kid how um, sad yeah yeah so he and then not having a father figure to help you out too you're kind of conflicted you know Mm-hmm. so um in seventh grade he was going to a christian school which makes it even worse um, oh man this is it's, I feel sorry for the man already. I take that back, man. I mean, just I mean, just go to a public school, right? <laughs> man. Yeah. So he goes to this Christian school, and a white kid starts to call him a few racial slurs. Oh, uh, okay. So Dorner lost his temper and kicked the crap out of him. What do you As think? He should. What do you he think? He deserved it. Yeah. Right. He did deserve yeah. it. Now, now, what do you think the priest does? Give them a few squats and say you've been bad. Gabby? Uh, I wouldn't say he beat him. You both are correct. So even though <laughs> even though he was the you know, the victim and he lashed out, which honestly if, if anyone does a mom joke or a race thing, hey, I'm I'm siding with the, the kid defending himself against those slurs. Totally agree. Those two you can't touch. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is the priest was was like, you two come over here. You're going to get spanking so hard. <laughs> wait, 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 what I do? Why are you sounding like that? <laughs> I'm just saying some priests sound like that. That's all I'm saying. He's like, let me get my ruler. You kids are going to be the death of me. <laughs> he was talking about a different ruler. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh. <laughs> Hi, well, I'm sorry, but we, like ninety percent of this? priests. Where are we going with this? Where are we going? I'm sorry. I just had. I had to. I'm sorry. Uh, but but Gabby's right. <laughs> so even though this is like the early '90s, that's how they were disciplining these kids. That's crazy, because I thought corporal punishment was abolished. Like I got hit with the ruler when I was in Mexico. Well, that's, that's Mexico. I mean, I get that. <laughs> oh, what <geez>. the heck? 
they're a different state. I mean, a country. Yeah, but still, like, over something stupid, getting an answer wrong, stretch out your hands, and you get whipped on both hands of the ruler. Gotta fight him for my for my wife. I'm just. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe at my age then you were scared too. <laughs> this part of the show is brought to you by Mexico. Come exactly. For the, come for the learning, stay for the beatings. <laughs> Arriba! Yeah, oh, jeez. I'm sorry, we're getting out of pocket. Wow, we're, we're way off now. Way off. <laughs> so anyway, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, so he gets disciplined. And uh, he, he's pretty upset about this. This is just one of many racial things that like just in his manifesto later he'll just explain oh uh, i would be too yeah so he he joins a football team and he bulks up and begins to get stronger and and faster and now you know the bullies don't want to mess with him so when they do though he beats the crap out of him again Mm -hmm. and uh so but he gets away with it this time um so as he's building up his reputation all of a sudden a light goes off in his head when around age of 16 or 17 at the school the police detect uh, a police uh, department comes down with an explorers program, and the La Palma Police Department Explorers Group uh, was offering ch- uh, teenagers at the school sort of like a training camp, boot camp, uh, skills competition, or youth mm-hmm. to keep the kids off the streets type program, and to let them learn about being a police officer. You know, in the future. Okay. This struck a chord with Dorner. And he's like, I want to be a police officer. Like he was, that became his number one goal. So he he wanted to live his life like that. Like just, he wanted to be an honest police officer. Okay. So um, he, uh, let's see. So he began, he began to uh, also at the same time around his senior year, he had a nice watch that his mom gave him. And it was stolen in a locker in a you know football locker room um and also there was a couple other lockers broken into and items were stolen from other kids Mm -hmm. he was told by the assistant principal i know what kid it was and so dorner went right to the real principal and said hey i was tipped off by the gym teacher and the assistant principal i know who did it they stole my stuff i want my watch back when the principal asked the assistant principal and the gym teacher who were white who who stole the stuff they said they never told anybody wow yeah so dorner again was pissed off and was like hey you told me who it was you're not gonna let them get get away with this are you and uh, apparently they did so mm. that's wrong okay mm-hmm. so all okay. those all those were involved were white <clears throat> so he was his blood began to boil he was just like, man, there's no justice here. You know, you know, this sucks. I'm tired of this racism stuff. Like every time I think I'm over it, something happens. And, you know, he's just he's he's just over it, man. He just wants to get out of there. Um so he would he would uh just put his head down and just push for a uh you know get getting out of that school. He wanted to get out of the Christian high school and move on up. Uh, to where he can, you know, go somewhere, th- you know, he wanted to go somewhere where his people were, be around more African Americans, kind of like go where you fit in, right? Yeah. So with Dorner's mindset of doing that, where do you think he decides to go play college football? Ah, uh, Notre Dame. No. 
Gabby? Like what's... I don't even know that many colleges. So... <laughs> oh, Berkeley? Well, oh no, no, no! I'm just saying, like, pick pick a school you think an uh, African American young man who wants to get away from white oppression. Oh, I would thought go. you said. I, th- I thought he. Okay, okay. Uh, let me see. I would suggest Miami University. Miami, okay, that's pretty mixed. Okay. Indiana. Indiana, that's yeah, pretty pretty. Uh, has a big African American uh, population. Um, yeah, he went to the uh, highest uh, uh, African American population in the world, or in the United Brown States. University? No, Utah. Utah. Yeah. Oh, wow. U- mm, Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Utah. Oh yeah. Home, Him and Carl Malone getting the home of the Mormons, <laughs> and ninety-six oh, yeah. percent or more white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Good logic. That's where you go, man. Good logic. Good. Where is the logic? So, so he could have went to an all-black school. But he's like, I'm going to get away from those white people to go to more white people. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's how that worked. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, so of course, he has, you know, surprise, surprise, he has problems over there with other white people uh, looking at him different because he's most likely the only, it's not a division one school either. So it's a lower class school. And so he's. Again, having white people look at him weird because he's probably the only black kid in the school, which sucks. But mm-hmm. he put, but he put himself there. He had other choices, and he put himself in Utah. Absolutely. And so, despite this, uh, you know, he played. He played four years there and uh, did pretty good. Uh, but he complained of of uh, what he caught uh, backlash from the kids hazing him too much, um, and and probably pushing his buttons too much and saying racial slurs. And um, despite all this, he finished his degree um, in psychology and uh, criminal science and graduated in 2001. Okay. So he's a fighter. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. So, uh, so here's the next part of it, the, 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 the case, which is just another twist. You know, he's gotten through all the racism. Um, he joins the Navy in 2002. He enlists in the Navy. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, to become a, a fighter pilot. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Mm-hmm. So he's in a Christian school, all mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the one a pretty predominantly white state in Utah. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, Todd? Oh yeah, very white. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. I agree, Todd. Okay. Wh- whiter then, than my whiter than my butt cheeks. My man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, too, we too far, too far. That, so yeah, you don't know. want to see that because you need you need glasses to see that in the daytime. It's too much shine. And then let me let me let me break this down. He goes to the navy. Mm-hmm. Water. <laughs> 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 That's all I had to say, Todd. You got it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What? Black people don't swim. <laughs> That's why he chose the helicopter. He could have chose the army. He could have chose the marines. Hell, he could have chose secret service. But this man said, "Nope. Let me let me introduce my water side and go to the navy again." Okay. They have the best uniforms. I mean, hey, <laughs> yeah, he they are is, the cleanest. He, you, you got it right. You you absolutely right. He is a, he is showing his nature. <laughs> See, Maddie can say that. I can't. He's like, he's like, we don't do good in water. I'm like, okay, that's your, that's your opinion. Don't mess with water. <laughs> Only when we shower and bathe. That's it. Okay. 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 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm good. good. Like, you're good. You're good. So, <laughs> so he gets he gets a buddy with him, and they're driving down the street in Oklahoma, a rural area, right? And this is about mm-hmm. a few months into their in their into their training. And they see a duffel bag on the side of the road. Uh, okay. They, they pick they pick up the duffel bag and look inside, and there's eight thousand dollars in cash, three thousand dollars in cashier's checks in the bag. What? Yeah. What do you think they do with the duffel bag? Man, if they don't hurry up and put it in the trunk and, and peel off, I, that that's the right answer. <laughs> they partied with that money. Wow. No. Don't tell me they turned it in time. They turned every cent in. Come on, man. They drove to the Enoch, Oklahoma police station, and they turned in what? the money. Yeah, they turned in the money, no questions asked, to where the chief of police thought it was so awesome. He went to the local newspaper and they wound up writing a nice article about Christopher and his buddy and they interviewed him saying, why would you give back all that money? And Christopher said that if it was my position, I would give the money back because I wouldn't want something bad to happen to me like that. And I believe in honesty. I'm an honest guy. I was raised right and I'm a God-fearing man. I want to give it back. And I respect that. And he actually gave it back to the church because it was from a church where a priest had put the duffel bag on top of his truck. And as he drove off, he forgot about it and it fell on the side of the road. And so the money was the parishioners and he gave it back to them. So, mm. yeah. So at this point, so they knew. So that duffel bag pretty much ID'd somewhat where it belonged to. Yeah. The cashier's checks were filled out already. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, all right, all right. If I know who it is, then yeah, I'll probably do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and... I mean, I didn't know they were filled out. Yeah, yeah. Somebody. Yeah. If if I if I can ID where it belonged to, then yeah. So I'm not gonna crucify. I don't know. They did the right thing. Yeah, I mean, they they could have <laughs> obviously they could have obviously just took it, left the cashier's checks, and just uh, took the the money, but they didn't, you know. So. At the same time, the article is being wrote up that both the guys wanted to be fighter pilots and that Christopher had a dead aim with marksmanship. Like, he, he could hit things from over 200 yards away. Like, he was just super, super accurate. God. Yeah. He oh. was He was winning medals for ever, for all this kind of stuff, you know. And he, he got stealth um, medals and reconnaissance for spying. So he was fully decorated uh, by the time 2005 came around. Wow. wow, he was doing good in life. Oh, yeah. So, so far, this okay. guy's, uh, uh, you know, he's dealt without a father. He's gotten through several racial situations without a big family and relying on himself. Made it to the made it to college, got his degrees, went to the uh, Navy, uh, you know, survived out in the water, as Matt would say, and um, <laughs> did good deeds. <laughs> All right. So far, so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far so good yeah so far so good so in 2005 he went to the La Palma Police Department applied and was welcomed into the police academy in 2005 where he would graduate in 2006 as a full fledged police officer alright so he is now in the LAPD nice nice yep accomplish um, his goal yeah so what could go wrong Right. So far, he's living the dream. 
right now, right? I don't think nothing should go wrong. <clears throat> yeah, he's, he's, he's doing excellent. So, despite all this, and no race issues sent, you know, really in the Navy, everything was cool. Uh, in the manifesto later on, Christopher talks about situations that occurred in the police academy. Like one, uh-huh. like one day, um, you know, despite, you know, uh, you know, what was said to, to be as far as police officers not being racial and they have to watch what they say because they're dealing with the communities. He said many times the N word was being thrown around like nothing. And one time really pissed him off because it was a Jewish officer who the police officers were supposedly saying Nazi-related things and singing Hitler youth songs. Now, who knows a Hitler youth song? I mean, come on. Whoa. <laughs> That's like doing your history right there. I mean, you get a medal. I didn't for... even know there was one. <laughs> <laughs> like, those are hard to, to, to find. I mean, like, wow. These guys are committed to the racial stuff. They man. are committed. <laughs> so they must not really... <laughs> Must not really like that Jewish guy. I mean, I feel bad for him. No, sir. I mean, it's one thing just to throw out a cuss word and be very, you know, basic. But, man, they're like, let's do our history. Let's watch the History Channel and come up with the youth Dang. Holocaust songs. And Bro, sing it no, that's them. jacked up, man. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. So this was, uh, this was tough. Um, so he didn't, he didn't stick up for the Jewish officer because he was a trainee. He didn't want to screw things up, but, uh, he couldn't take it this other time. Um, another time in the, uh, in in the, uh, break room, there was about 40 officers there and a couple of the guys were throwing around the N word and he got upset, but he kept his cool and he said, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm an African American man. I, I really don't appreciate you guys saying that to where they told him where he could stick it. And he lost it. Oh, and he jumped the Uh-oh. table. He jumped. Yeah, he jumped the table. And they said, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with wrestling, but like the Undertaker, how he choke slams guys. He grabs them by the neck. Oh, that's yeah, he, my man right there, Undertaker. Yeah, he grabbed both of these guys by the neck. What choke slam? No, he was about to, and it, and, it, oh. and eight officers got up, and it took eight of them to get him off of the two guys. Dang. Yeah, he's Dorner was big at this time. Christopher Dorner's about six feet and about 260, 270, like pure muscle. Pure muscle. Dang. So, so he's a big guy. Um, so after the in, uh, incident, at because it happened in the police, uh, police academy, police issued stuff and everything else like that department, they had to call mm-hmm. in it, internal affairs and they had to put together a case and to investigate. And they asked uh, all the people that were there. There are 40 people. Only one officer collaborated what Dorner said. The other ones were like, I, I don't know, man. I could have said it, but I, I didn't know. Man. I, th- I, thought he, I, I thought he said Nike. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, your voice impersonations, man. <laughs> Sorry. They're spot on. <laughs> Uh, so, oh, and that's all it, it that's all it took though was one guy collaborating the story. So Dorner's like, "Good, you know those yeah. two guys are gonna get it." Well, only one did. What do you think the uh, the other guy Damn. got off? What do you think the one guy got disciplined for, or how much time did he get? Uh, and they're in the navy already by, by this time, right? 
Oh no, this is this is a police academy. This, this is a police. Okay. Uh, I don't know. He probably got a slap on the wrist and told him, "Don't do it again." Well, the other guy did, but this guy got some discipline. Oh, this guy got some. Uh, maybe maybe one day suspension. Okay, Gabby. I don't know about one day. I would say like two weeks. Oh, nah, that's that's too hard. You're close, Gabby. You're pretty damn close. What? Uh, add one more week. It was uh, three weeks, um, but it was paid suspension. <laughs> paid suspension. Well, what's the difference? That's a <laughs> vacation. That's all. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all it is. Um. Wow. So he's pissed off. He's just like, you know what? God damn. Like he's really, really questioning why he came to the police department in general. So. After this, though, at the same time, he was he was still an, an active Navy officer. So he was called to Kuwait. And uh, oh, wow. so he had to ditch the police for a little bit. And he went to uh, Kuwait where he would be on patrol on, and pretty much guarding oil rigs and oil trucks. So it's a dangerous job, man. Mm-hmm. Um, while over there, a lot of the Navy people, including a couple uh, cadets he was working with, said that he was awesome to be around. He always had a smile on his face. In fact, if you Google his picture, there's pretty much all his pictures, he has a big old smile. Like, he looks like a teddy bear. Like a big teddy bear. And he looks like a good-looking guy. And in, in a lot of people liked him. They, he was nice. He got people's... He watched people's backs. Um, you know, he's doing doing every... You know, he's he's just a, a genuine guy. Everyone likes him over there. And, and over there in the military, no one's... Uh, treating him racial so again in the military he's fine like he, he's able to fit in and he does his thing um, all right yeah so upon returning though um you know he's a full graduate from the police department he's out of the navy um he married an undercover narcotics police officer named april carter how long do you think their marriage lasted Ooh, less than a year Gabby? I'm going to say two. Nope. A month. Oh. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's all, folks. (laughs) Yeah, that was it, man. What's the point of that? I have no idea. Why even get married? (laughs) And and check this out, though. So they got divorced after months. So obviously there's some inconsistencies. You know, they don't get along. You know, they should have never gotten married. You just want to say, you know what? This is a bad couple months of my life screw you i'm done with you i don't have no ties to you i don't even want to see you right that's what normal people would do right in a situation mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. uh by their friends they, they have a lot of friends at this time their friends say they looked happier divorced and uh, but happier together divorced they were divorced but still hanging but out together. with everybody <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah, I, I, I don't know how to comprehend that, bro. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Like, Dorner was doing things at her house, like as far as like mowing the lawn, uh, cleaning out gutters, uh, fixing her car. She was spending the night at his house, and they're divorced. They're recently divorced. Probably giving some potent. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, wow. 
I'm just saying. They not going over to each other's house, over to each other. Anyways. <laughs> now, now here's here's a funny thing too. We've all been around couples or or maybe we had troubles like ourselves and we go out with friends and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, so and so's not having a good time or they're just, you know, like they're going mm-hmm. through some issues. Their friends mm-hmm. all knew they were divorced and they were just hanging out bowling and just having a good time hanging out like they were still together and it was throwing their friends off like what what's up with these two i mean Why that was you get divorced then <laughs> who knows i don't know maybe they didn't want the title i don't that's that's a good question but a month later i mean if you weren't that certain about the title you wouldn't even get married to begin with yeah you might as well just live together yeah it makes all sense or just see each other one or two Maybe somebody cheated real quick and they like, you know, that's even worse. At that point, they probably wouldn't even talk. Exactly. You know what? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't. (laughs) It is way too confusing. Even when I was doing work. If you and I were divorced, I wouldn't see you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I mean, I agree. Like, you know, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) So with that. You know, he's back in the police office or police force. He gets transferred to San, P- San Pedro where he starts working with Officer Evans. So you're going to have to remember this name, Officer Evans. I'll, I'll talk about her. Officer Evans. Why yeah. does Officer Evans sound familiar? I mean, well, have I don't we know. had an Officer Evans before in a story? I think we might have, but I think he was a guy. This is a female officer, though. Oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Officer Evans. Mm-hmm. So, um,. No. <laughs> She's she's his uh, his trainer, you know. What I mean, like she's got to sign off on him being a full pledged uh, police officer. Now he had to start over his training time once he came back from Kuwait. Things had changed, so they were in a new department. <clears throat> San Pedro's by the coast, so new area for him to work on. So she filed a report about him one time where he did not take cover on a call where the where there was a gun involved. He just sort of came out didn't neutralize the situation she was tense and he was just like whatever and she found this to be odd so there was little infractions like that that she kept writing him up for and he came to her and said look the navy messed me up on my training can i please go back can you can you file a report to send me back to the police academy so i can get retrained some things i'm doing out here in the field i know are putting you at jeopardy and putting myself at jeopardy like he he was even crying to her saying please you know help me out like i there's certain wow things, yeah there's certain things i need to change and she was like no nah, nah, you, you know you need to you need to know this stuff you know i'm not going to send you back to the academy you don't Dang. need to do that. yeah so why um, she gotta be like that i don't know i mean that's just how she was in this what happened in real life i mean she just refused to give him the opportunity to go back so um, yeah, so he, he had he didn't want to lose his job, so he kept trying every night to impress her, trying to do things right, trying to learn new tactics, the ones that he, I guess, forgot when he was in Kuwait, because I guess they train you differently when you're over there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so in 2007, late 2007, here's a key, key move in this whole situation. Um, Christopher Dorner was on a call with, um, with Evans about a schizophrenic man with a knife. So at mm. some point during the um, trying to get the, the schizophrenic guy to calm down, in front of a Doubletree Hotel, um, Officer uh, Dorner grabs the suspect and is trying to restrain him. 
as he does, they mm-hmm. fall into the bushes, and he's on top of the the man. Now Dorner's much bigger. Um, as he's trying to get control, he can't put his arms back behind him to handcuff him. So uh, Officer Evans, his partner, starts to tase the man to get him to stop, but it's not working. And so they're struggling. Yeah, so they're struggling. He's trying to put the handcuffs on. Now, according to Christopher Dorner, he said that Evans then took her her um, her boots and began to kick the suspect in the ribs and head. What? And then Dorner was able to put the handcuffs on the suspect. Okay. So when the when when they put the they pulled the suspect up, he had a cut on his forehead, which came from the plants or whatever that they fell into. Mm-hmm. And um, Christopher just he couldn't get over this. He's like, um, you know, I, <sighs> Officer Evans, you know, she she kicked him in the head. You know, why would she use excessive force and then lie about it on the report? Mm-hmm. So he tells one of his superiors, Officer Perez, like, hey, you know, this is what happened, blah blah. And Perez is like, look, this is serious. If you don't say something, I'm gonna say something. Mm-hmm. So Christopher decided against. Uh, his good judgment he said i'm gonna file a report and against this training officer that's that could be suicide you know she could go on retaliation and mm-hmm. you know you could get fired um so what happened was after he filed the report just two days later he was going into the locker room to get his clothes after changing you know after a shift with another officer when he decided to like like hey why is my duffel bag in my locker so wet and he picked it up and it smelled like piss. What? So all his nice clothes were pissed on. What? Yep. Oh. Yeah, so um, that happened. So then when they finally went to Internal Affairs to talk about mm-hmm. the incident at the Doubletree Hotel, mm-hmm. the workers came forward and said that they never saw any kicks by Officer Evans. Oh, wow. And so <clears throat> when they interviewed the suspect, the suspect also said no excessive force was used. Wow. So you now you have witnesses and the suspect. Saying, and the suspect. The suspect for sure is key. <laughs> yep, yep. Because usually he would be like, no, 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 he kicked me in the head anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so. um, Something ain't right here, man. Something ain't right. Yeah, so what happened here then is because that's the, that's the whole part that we don't know if that was true or not. You know, that's just what happened in court documents, right? So with that happening, uh, they ruled the, the internal affairs then went after Dorner and they ruled that he came up with a false accusation and false police report. So now what? he's now he's going in front of the internal affairs uh, judge. What? Yeah. So what do you think happened? When he went in front front of the uh, L.A. Uh, LAPD, I think he went in front and they, in a sense, threw the book at him as much as they could. That's what I think happened. Gabby, I agree with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> you know what? Here we go you again. Know what? <laughs> You know what, man? I can't. I can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she, 
She just Got lobbed it. it up there and I slammed it. That's all. <laughs> and you slammed Dunkey. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's all. Okay, so so moving on, so, you guys are both yeah, correct. They threw the book at yes. <laughs> you guys are both correct. Um, in, in 2011, October 3rd to be exact, <laughs> the ruling was upheld. <laughs> and um, Dorner got up and yelled, I can't believe you would do this. I told you the truth. And again, you don't listen to me. This has happened my whole life. Like he just started going off and they had to restrain him. So, oh, mm-hmm. so is that the end of the story in 2011? Of course not. Of course not. Nope. We now fast forward two years almost. Two years. And here's where it starts getting absolutely batched and crazy. Um, 2000. Huh? No, I was going to say, so from from 2011, he was thrown in jail? No, he just was fired and terminated as a police officer. I left that part out. I should have said that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So good good looking out. wrong. Yeah. Gotcha. He was terminated, and and obviously, when you're terminated from the police, you can't get a job anywhere else as a as an officer. Pretty much, your best your best bets to be a rent a cop, and that's about all you can do. Pretty much, a mall cop. Everything yeah. he worked for is gone. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, um, how fast... long was he in there? Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um, he was a police officer for four years. Wow. Yeah. So um Yeah, I, I think I might change my mind as far as the douchebag comment I made earlier. Uh so far I'm feeling sorry. But as you said earlier, there is twist. So there I'm is... wait. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wait to hold my statement. <laughs> well, here's the first part of that twist. Um on February first, two thousand thirteen, Anderson Cooper, as we all know, is a famous CNN reporter, controversial newscaster. Oh that um, guy. Yeah. The little white guy with the gray hair. Um, that guy. Yeah. That no guy. one can stand. Yes. Yes, that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he re- he received a package in his in his office containing a DVD uh, stated Dorner's case against the LAPD. The package also contained a bullet riddle challenge coin from the LAPD chief William Bratton and a note inscribed with MOA, one minute of angle implying that the coin was shot at 100 yards, 91 meters away at a grouping of one in uh, one inch, 2.7 millimeters uh, and 2.5 centimeters, boasting the accuracy of the rifle, meaning he shot that little coin or little, you know, in, insignia from a long distance and headed dead in the middle. Good Lord. Yeah. So basically he was just showcasing his skills. Like, anybody can get these problems. <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, Anderson Cooper did not open the package himself because, you know, he's a diva and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, his staff members opened it up and took a look at the stuff inside. And uh, it should have been a eye-opener with, because there was a little bit of... There was a little bit of an, a manifesto in there. Not the official one, but he did write some pretty incriminating things on there and... They did not think much of it until stuff actually started happening. So maybe they could have saved a few lives if they would have reported it right away, but they didn't. Dang. So Irvine, California. That's where oh, we're going okay. to move next. Um, it's uh, February 3rd, 
2013, the same, uh, the same, uh, two days later after Anderson Cooper got that, that package, um, a man walks into the apartment complex and, uh, goes into the parking structure to find a, uh, a white Kia with blood, uh, seeping out onto the concrete and a man slept, uh, slumped over in the car. Um, he calls the police right away and the police get there along with detectives to find that there's two victims in the car. Um, the, fir- the, fir- the first is 28 year old Keith Lawrence and his fiance Monica Kwan, 27 years old. Yeah. 27? 27, yeah. 28 and 27. Um, mm. Kwan was a woman's basketball assistant coach at Cal State Fullerton and was the daughter of Randall Kwan, a former LAPD uh, captain and now lawyer who represented Christopher Dorner in 2007. So, at the dismissal hearing. Uh, Lawrence was a full uh, police officer for a full public safety officer for the College of University of Southern California, USC. Uh Yeah. So when detectives got there from the Irvine Police Department, they realized that the the robbery was not a motive. There was uh, big wads of cash in both wallets and expensive rings on their fingers. Um, They also encountered 14 shell casings around the car. Dang. Yes. Uh, When the police canvassed the area, they did nobody. And, and they canvassed, and the uh, complex had like 200 people there. Nobody heard one single shot, which then the police realized this was a professional hit. It was used with a silencer. Mm-hmm. So Randall Kwan was notiva- notified that his daughter uh, was shot and killed and um, that he was a former L.A. police uh, police officer, the detectives found out, turned lawyer, and... Um, the police were asking Quan about who would who would do this. You know, do you have a, a does someone have a vendetta against you? You know, you mm-hmm. you're a lawyer. Did you did you piss off a gang? You know, stuff like that. And he was just distraught. And you know, he um, he pretty much had a clean record with everybody as a cop, even. Mm-hmm. So not just a lawyer, but a cop too. Um, I'll go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so just a, a day later, uh, Christopher Dorner wrote a 11,000-word manifesto and posted it um, online on Facebook. Now, this is obviously before fact-checking and people watched every post. <laughs> <laughs> you had to... <laughs> I had to put that out there, man. See... If he wrote the manifesto about killing people and then and then just wrote one word COVID in it, they'd be all over it. <laughs> they would they would have they would have tracked him down like that, you know? Oh, easily. They would have been out of his door. Even if he put nineteen in it, that dude would be in trouble right away. <laughs> Don't go there, Todd. <laughs> but no COVID vaccine information, follow the link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, uh, so uh, me too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got fact checked for something stupid. <laughs> exactly. So much for uh, see. And this guy, this guy's talking about killing cops, and it's like, oh, you're good. Keep it up there. No, no need to take it down. Wow. So um, 
Yeah, time so, has changed. Oh, it sure has. This is just a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So in in the manifesto, um, you know, he says, uh, you know, for the people that know me and love me personally, they're probably going to be in disbelief when they read what I do, and some of the media reports and some of the cr- horrendous crimes that I'm I've already took in place or or that that I've taken part in and that will I will take part in. So he's already saying, look, I I killed before I wrote this and I'm going to kill again. And again, nobody's reporting this. And, um, you know, he says that, uh, it's an unfortunate, uh, necessary evil. It's going to take place and that his war is not against the, the common man, but against the LAPD and the scandals from the, you know, nothing's changed from the Rampart scandal and the Rodney King days. Um, he says it's gotten worse and that the, what happened to him uh, his termination and against uh, Officer Evans, you know, the journalists need to follow up, check the Freedom of Information Act, and he says there's videos out there. He goes, you you got to check this out. It's you know my name will my name will be cleared one day, but I won't be around to see it. So he writes, that's basically what he. Um, that's a little bit of a um, summary of what he wrote. So, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this all gets posted to Facebook. Nobody sees it. Uh, so apparently he needs to work on his friend ga- his friend game. He needs to request some more friends. <laughs> Nobody saw that in report. Nobody that. was paying attention to that at that point. Yeah, they were just like, oh, it's just Christopher being Christopher. <laughs> you know, <the> guy. <laughs> He's such a kiddo. <laughs> he just killed somebody. Oh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him to stop playing Halo. You know, sometimes he just takes it too seriously. So, well, Halo back then was jumping. <laughs> yeah, that was it was. <laughs> so, um, National City is south of there. I don't know where you guys, if you guys know where that's at. Nope, it's never heard a, of it. <laughs> it's sort of close by San Diego. It's a small town. Uh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. never mind. We did pass it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple restaurant workers that are out in the back. They see like a box or two in the trash can. It has a bulletproof vest. It has a notebook. It has SWAT gear, has police uh, items in it, and uh, these guys are like, "Dude, you know, did, did a police officer get kidnapped or robbed?" And they they uh, alertly flag down an officer who calls the you know calls it into dispatch. Dispatch calls the LAPD because it has a couple LAPD officer names on it. Mm-hmm. It has Dorner and Evans. So when they asked, uh, you know. Um, you know the the LAPD. They called in and said, "Hey, do you guys have a Dorner there?" No, no, no one by that name works here. But Officer Evans, yeah, yeah, she's here. And when they brought up that, you know, they brought it to her attention when she was on duty, her face went cold, and she had heard about the shooting about Quan the night before, mm-hmm. and she realized, "Oh my God, this is the guy." So she tells her superiors that I think it's Dorner. You know, like Dorner did this, and he's coming after me. And sure enough, when they do that, uh, one of the police officers gets the idea of, you know, let's let's check Facebook. You know, and they and they check his Facebook, and boom, there it is. That's the only reason why they saw it. And so, wow, yeah. And she admits to her superiors that after Dorner was fired, that she took her service weapon home every night for six months because she thought he was going to come for her. So wow, mm-hmm. also in the manifesto. Oh yeah, 
and also in the manifesto, he says, if I can't get those that are mentioned on here, like as the important police officers and everything else like that, I will go after families. Someone is going to pay the price. Dang. Oh, he was coming for him. Mm-hmm. So um, now they believe that he's a murderer. And further proof, they go down there. They send detectives to check out the surveillance cameras. And they see him in his pickup truck, Nissan Titan, dropping off all the stuff that I described in the dumpster. So now they know that that he's responsible for this stuff that, you know, this dude has, you know, they want to question him with a shooting. And now with a Facebook and everything else like that, it's only a matter of time before he starts to kill some more people. Um, Mm -hmm. So at this time, uh, LAPD pretty much goes into tactical alert and they start saying, nobody takes vacations. Nobody takes nights off. We're, we're going to have to put a security detail on all the names that are on that list, including their families. So you're having police come from all over to watch people's families because they're afraid of the retaliation. Mm-hmm. And they don't know where this guy's at. So it's getting they pretty be terrified. Yeah, it's getting pretty scary, scary. And now the media mm-hmm. is getting involved and they're putting it out there like, hey, you know what? We've got to... Um, We've got to catch this guy. And, and so while all this is happening, Dorner's actually trying to get an exit plan. He's actually given up, and he's trying to hijack a ship, or not a ship, a boat, a private boat in mm-hmm. San Diego. As he's trying to, and he must not have been a good naval officer or not known how to uh, disembark a, a <laughs> boat from the, the pier because he got the 80-year-old to, he told the 80-year-old, I'm not going to kill you, I just want your boat. He tied him up, left him on the side. He couldn't get the boat started or released from the pier. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah, some Navy That would have huh? been a getaway. Exactly. He, he probably would have went into Mexico and probably disappeared. Mm-hmm. But he decides to, again, do a twist and go right back into L.A. County. He abandons the San Diego thing. He's not even being looked at in San Diego until... The 80-year-old sees a mugshot or a, his face on TV and was like, That's the guy that robbed me! That's him! <laughs> so, so, now, so now they know that it's Christopher Dorner and he's driving a Nissan Titan. And uh, mm. he's fleeing the area. Now, this is going to get... And we've done a couple cases that have been in your guys' backyard. Here's another one. Um, mm-hmm. He starts driving up the 15 freeway. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so leaving San uh, Diego. Where? Oh, he's uh he's approaching Corona at this time. So mm. uh this is probably after ninety one. He came up to ninety one, which mm-hmm. is fifteen. And um so he's he's making his way up the fifteen when a tow truck driver was listening to the news and they were repeating the um the tags or the license plate for the Nissan Titan and he called the police. He's like, oh, my God, there he is. There he is. And so two cop cars began to chase, uh, you know, Dorner. And Dorner starts to speed up on the 15. They go through Corona. He then exits off of one of those ramps. And um, he's about a good couple hundred yards away. He just turns, mm-hmm. like in a movie, jumps out, and just starts firing with an AK-47 at the cop car. Oh, Dude. Yeah. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's he's like pounding that car to where the radiator blows up. 
the windshields are shot out. Um, a bullet grazes the head of one of the officers. Like, it nearly, like, kills him. Just, it, like, you know where it does, like, a burn? You know, like, mm -hmm. sort, of, sort of takes off a few layers of skin. Not too much. Well, it's sort of like that. Missed it by that much. Like, almost a headshot. <laughs> so, Dang. yeah, the cops were very lucky to not be um, killed at that moment. So, he, he jumps back That's in the cool. truck once he realizes it's uh it's it's been disabled problem is it takes a few minutes for the police officers to um radio it in because the radio's broken now they can't use no, the radio great. yeah so they have to borrow a, a dude's cell phone who who came by and call it in now just a little bit up in riverside in your backyard mm -hmm. there there is a uh, Michael Crane, Officer Crane, and his and his uh, partner Andrew Keys. They were on the night uh, night shift patrol at a red light at about one thirty. Um, seconds before the call finally gets to dispatch, and dispatch is like, "Hey, be on the lookout. Christopher Dorner is in Riverside. Guess who makes a turn right in front of them? Christopher Dorner. Yep. And what do you think happens? He sees them. He shoots them. Yeah. I think they don't see him. Yeah, they they pretty much didn't see him. You guys are both right. And he opens fire. His the windshield goes down halfway. He lays the semi-automatic rifle outside, uh, laying on the. Uh, so, he, so picture this: passenger side window halfway down, gun hanging out, driving with the other hand, and firing with the right hand. So pretty much everything was one-handed. Yeah, he he lights up the police car. That's From, skills. Yeah, and he doesn't hit any... There's cars all around, and he doesn't hit any other car but the police car. That's skills. Yes. Dang. He, um, Good lord. Yeah, he, he hits everything, and then there's an eerie quiet as he speeds off. A taxi car driver who was right next door, or right next to the police car, gets over there because the car is now creeping into the intersection because you know the guys are both slumped over in the in the front seat mm -hmm. and, so he uh, killed the cops well he kills one um the other officer has the sense to get on the radio and say officer down before passing out um crane is uh officer crane michael crane is dead on the scene keys is rushed to the emergency hospital Somehow he survives uh, being shot in the back, the neck, the shoulder, the stomach, and the thigh. Dang, he survived all that? Yeah, he survived all that. Yeah, the will to live. I'm assuming the other officer probably took a headshot. Yeah, he took a headshot and several to the chest. And the sad thing was he was married with two children and was a fellow Marine. Oh, man. Yep. So um, at this time... This is all over the freaking news. If you remember this time, they were they were yep. like, you know, they were calling in the uh, they off, they wanted to call in the National Guard because they were like, yep. dude, this guy is like serious. And um, but they had they had SWAT teams coming from all over. They they wanted this dude bad. Um, that I do remember. I don't remember this. Yeah, I remember this one. And and the thing the thing was though, you had some innocent people also pay the price for this. Um, mm -hmm. at at four in the morning. Uh, there was uh, two Latina women that were driving a Toyota. Now, Toyotas are very different from these Nissan Titans. And um, as you know, like in the area, you'll you, at nighttime, you'll have 
well, not as much anymore, but they were still doing it where they would throw newspapers into your yard, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so these two women, they were a mother-daughter combination, and the daughter was throwing newspapers into people's yards, and they were creeping up the street. And so they were coming to a prominent police officer's house, which had four cop cars protecting it because he was high up on the list of those that Dorner wanted to kill. And uh, without without any <laughs> they're throwing newspapers out the damn window and the cops open fire. What? Yeah, they open fire on the small <laughs> Toyota, <laughs> which which at this time wow. they're, they're looking they're looking for a black Nissan Titan. And this is a navy blue uh, 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 Toyota, which is like a early '90s Toyota too, so it's uh, is way smaller than a Titan. And they they just open That's fire. Stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, in a sense, you know, blue and black kind of look alike. You know, a <laughs> Toyota. It's wait, is it a truck? It's a little pickup truck. Yep. Okay, no, I'm sorry. There, there's a huge difference in size. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Hey, they were trigger happy. You know what? <laughs> I just caught it. I caught it too late. You it. Yeah. You ain't right there, Doc. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> but uh No, they're they're both different. Mm-hmm. The Toyota's like super little and the Titan is a big truck. <laughs> I know the, the cops like Shut up. He's like, Dah, look at that truck right there. Shoot! <laughs> <laughs> I like, haven't heard that voice. Hey, Todd, I haven't heard that voice in two couple of years, man. And you know it. I know, right? Good old Eli. But uh, but now it's like one guy shoots, and then they're all like, well, "I don't know what he's shooting at, but just you start shooting too." Yeah, you shoot. I'm shooting, and they all just start shooting. They all just start shooting. Yeah, and, and this, you want to talk about luck? Now these women again are Latina, but they're they had the luck of the Irish that night. Um, the mm. mother automatically starts screaming in Spanish and English, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot! We're just throwing newspapers." She gets struck twice in the back. Um, her daughter wow. gets hit in the thigh. Now, I'm not a mathematician, and so I'm not too good with math. But a uh, hundred shots by the police, and only three hit a target. I think these guys need to go back to basic training. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to say so. Because where are them other 90, 97 targets go? <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but, but fortunately, not into anybody else. Well, that's good. The good news about this story, though, this part of the story, is that both survived. And uh, they got paid really good once they once this was all over and they sued the LAPD. So. Oh, as they should. They no, they no longer had to uh, throw newspapers. Let's just say that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The th- so the girls died? Oh, no, oh, the girls still... lived. The girls lived. Oh, okay. The mother fortunately survived the two gunshot wounds to the back, and so did the daughter. The daughter was only 17, working hard with her mom at 4 in the morning, mind you. You know, just trying to make a living. And, uh, you know, if you can survive a couple bullets, uh, you're going to make some a few million dollars, and that's exactly what they did. Hey, so I ain't mad at them. Yeah, get that money right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now it, that was February third. You had the the two officers shot. You know, now he's killed three people. Um, February sixth. Now 
just above you guys is a, is Big Bear, California, which is a renowned vacation destination for people all over the world. Beautiful area, snow in the wintertime, a lot of skiing, snowboarding, just beautiful. Um, they have a lake with all kinds of stuff to do in winter or summer. So it's a nice, nice place to go. Nice. Um, so while the police were looking for Dorner for the next couple nights in the Riverside area and surrounding areas, uh, a man came upon a burnt-out Nissan Titan up in Big Bear, just above Running Springs, with two AK-47s burnt out in the cab. What? Yeah. So Riverside, you know, you know the, the mountain is about 8,000 feet above Riverside. And soon as the police found out that the uh, Dorner was up in Big Bear... They shot everybody up into the into the mountain range. Two, over 200 police officers, SWAT teams. Eight oh, they were going to get him. Oh, yeah. Eight helicopters. They sent the entire force up there. They're, they're like, there's only one way in, one way out. You ain't getting away, dude. You ain't mm-hmm. getting away. <clears throat> and so the problem with this is, is if you know Big Bear, if you look into it, it's really huge. And they have so many spring and summer homes. Mm-hmm. And during the wintertime, people just leave them you know locked up for the winter um they're, yeah they're abandoned for the most part complete mm-hmm. na- complete neighborhoods you know um so at this time all local news affiliates are up there uh freaking uh, news corporations from all over the country are up there and they're offering millions of dollars to catch this dude like like we need information Dang. they're doing they're doing door-to-door searches they're just not finding anything. And, uh, you know, it turns into almost a week later. There's no sign of him. And so they, they think, man, somehow he got down the mountain, you know, because they came up from both sides. They're like, dude, there's like no way, dude. He like he he got out of it somehow. So Dang. they left half the police force there. The other half went back down the mountain. And it's February 13, 2013. Uh, Jim and Carrie Reynolds were a husband and wife team that were cleaning cabin rentals. And since the Dorner thing, they had double locked everything, you know, and there was combinations. Yeah. So they were like, you know, there's no way he's here. They're, they're feeling safe enough to work again. Right. Um, soon as they open the door to lot number two Oh three, uh, Christopher Doran has a gun pointed right in their face. Okay. Yeah. He tells them that, um, like, and they're begging for their lives. He's like, dude, just shut up. I'm not going to kill you. I, I'm your, my beef is not with you. Like I, I told the guy at the, the ocean, I wasn't going to kill him. I'm not going to kill you, but you need to listen to me and you need to, you know, let me tie you up. So he, he ties them up and he puts the couple in the room and, you know, he starts preparing stuff and getting a duffel bag ready. Um, he puts pillowcases over their heads, zip tied them up a little bit. And then, uh, you know, they're thinking he, he's going to execute him at any time. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to live up to my word. You got my word. I'm not going to kill you. He said, just give me the keys to your car. So he gets the keys and he drove off. Um, somehow, some way, they were able to get out of their restraints, move over to the, the phone, and they called 911. Um, the police then now know what he's in an SUV and he's driving back up the mountain and they now they go into full alert again. They put out spike strips, but it's the middle of the day and school just got out. So like the Batman movie, you know how like he breaks out of the the um, the bank and he just falls in line mm-hmm. with all the other school buses. 
Mm-hmm. Dorner goes in between two school buses packed with kids. And the cops can't shoot at him, and they can't spike strip the bus or freak out the kids. So they're forced to follow mm-hmm. Dorner between these two buses. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so he's using he's the... Stupid. He's using the kids as shields, basically. And then uh, he goes about a good three miles, and the cops are circling, and they, you know, they have helicopters, or, and the buses don't know what to do because they're like, "Why is there so many cops out here?" And, and all of a sudden, Dorner hits the side road, and then they start chasing him, and it, it turns into a good ten-minute chase through the back ends of Big Bear, to where okay. he, yeah, so he he crashes the car, gets out, fires at the police, and then runs into the woods again. So they they, so they go, on his heels. Yeah, they're on his heels, man. They're tr- they're trying to track him down, and uh, he breaks into this cabin, and um, he he gets into this one cabin, and he starts putting mattresses against the windows and doors, and and uh, they you know the cops are starting to approach, and now they're, they're like, hey, you know, calling everybody, he's here, he's here, we got him, we got him hunkered down, and uh, Officer Collins. Uh, starts to creep up with his partner, um, Officer McKay. And um, as, as, as they start to creep up on a car parked, well, which was the couple's car that he got out of, um, mm-hmm. he <laughs> he hits them from 150 yards away. He hits Officer Colin right in the mouth. <gasps> Dang! Yeah. The bullet goes through his teeth, breaks his jaw, and exits out the back of his neck. And before he hits the ground, he shot three more additional times. Dang, he was that much of a crack shot? Yep. He was shot three more times. So So, he died instantly. No. What? No. Um he so he's on the ground and he goes to pull out his cell phone to make a phone call, and his cell phone has a bullet right through it, so he can't even call. Uh, He can't even call nobody. Yeah, he's struggling to breathe at this time. McKay's like, officer down, officer down. Get your asses here, blah, blah, blah. That's the last words he would say. He gets up to take a shot at the cabin. He's hit directly in the chest, and he's dead before he hits the floor. What? Yeah. He's shot dead right there. Dang. Yeah. At that point, I would have just retreated. (laughs) Right? I mean, there's this... Like, you see, haven't you already seen this man is a good shot and he's going to kill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If my partner was hit, I mean, yeah, you want to be the hero, but shoot, I would just back up. Yeah. Yep, yep. So so now the police see that there's two officers down. This now turns into, you know, we got a dangerous suspect here. We got to, you know, this is a rescue mission now. So now they, they, they bring in an armored, armored vehicle. And they try the first time to get the officers out, but the bullets that he's using are actually piercing that armored vehicle. Like they're starting okay. to go through. And the, what? And, yeah, like they're started to take shots inside of the cab. Oh dang! So they had to back out with that one and bring in an even heavier vehicle with more armor. So you've lost about ten to fifteen more minutes. Mm-hmm. And so he, they come in with a heavier vehicle. They're taking shots. They're, they have other cops in other areas trying to shoot back even a helicopter to try to suppress the fire that Dorner is shooting. I mean, he's just he's just trying to mow them down. And they're, they're hunkered down. It's a war zone against one guy. 
Dang. And he got the upper hand. He's got the upper hand. He's got the protection. He's 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 pretty much, you know, uh, behind everything. I mean, they, they can't get to him. He's got good protection. Mm. Mm. Um, so they get both officers out of there. They realize that McKay's dead already. Um, they get Collins to a helicopter. And believe it or not, by the next day, they save his life. Wow. So with all that damage, yeah. Collins makes it. Dang, so, and the other one died with just the one shot. Just the one shot, yep. Probably hit a main artery. <sighs> yeah. yeah, probably right. probably got the heart. They didn't say in the story, so unfortunately I don't have that. But um, mm. So with that happening, once they got the officers out of that um, out of that area, they decided to take that same vehicle and ram the ram the house, try to create a hole. Um, they were watching the cabin from the backside, so like they had them surrounded big time. Um, so they try to do what they did to the Branch Davidians back in the day, you know, like in Texas, Waco, Texas, where they ran the building and try to set it on fire um, to smoke them out. But mm -hmm. he, they, the fire wouldn't stick. So they were shooting, um, uh, what do you call it, tear gas in there. Mm. And uh, he responded with tear gas of his own and also like a green smoke to where they couldn't see. So, again, the cops just had a couple other cops were wounded because they couldn't see where he was shooting from and he was moving um just he was a dead shot and fortunately he didn't kill any anybody else but mm -hmm. around 4 30 in the afternoon on live television the cabin began to catch on fire and you heard one gunshot from the, when it was all quiet when wow nobody, nobody was shooting and uh yeah that was it the, the cabin burned up uh, the surrounding trees burned up. They they waited all night to go in before it burned itself out. They kept spotlights on it. They were just too scared that he was still alive somehow. And then it wasn't wow. until the, the next morning they found his remains and he, and he had a gunshot wound to the head. So he took his own life. Wow. What a coward. Yep. So he took out uh, four uh, four people. Mm. including himself so that would be five and it could have been a lot worse absolutely but that but they found he had so much ammunition there he could have lasted a lot longer dang he's got that much mm -hmm. good lord yeah he was he was in it for the fight he wanted to take out as many as he could he wounded uh several other officers as well in the uh shootout so Yep. Wow. That was a well. I felt bad for the guy with this whole racism thing he was going through, but I'm sorry, that's not justifiable what he was doing. Yeah, I have to agree. Taking I mean, it against people that had nothing to do with him. I have to agree. It's one thing to uh, be upset about the stuff that you go through, but there's another thing in taking justice in your own hand and killing innocent people that had nothing to do about your trials and tribulations so i do feel sorry for him um i'm not gonna call him a douchebag but i am gonna call him something else that i can't say but <laughs> but uh yeah he, he he definitely crossed the line on that one so i don't have no sympathy for what happened but i do have sympathy with what he grew up so. yeah i i just wish that he maybe just didn't think that was the end of it you know where he had to lash out in gunfire where he could have just 
maybe figured something out. You know, like he was a smart mm-hmm. guy, very smart guy. Um, it's just sad. I mean, I think he just got pushed over the edge. I mean, like everything that went through his head, like with the racism, losing his job, his career. I mean, people looked down on him. Um, yeah, he thought he was going to be, you know, a respected guy. And it just didn't work out that way. And someone had to pay. Unfortunately, he used the weapons and his knowledge of, you know, sharpshooting. So, yeah. Yeah, that's how that one. That's how that one came to an end. That was a huge story in 2013. You know, I remember that. And to this day, to this day, like with my final note on this was, um, you know, when they were going through all the, uh, you know, racial things against police and everything. Mm-hmm. Dorner was brought up a lot in 2020 he was brought up a lot as a um as a martyr and uh really yeah a lot of people said hey you know what uh, he was misunderstood you know he did good things and and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um because obviously he murdered mm-hmm. uh, whether it was right or wrong I mean, he murdered and uh, mm-hmm. but you had some people that were like hey he wasn't such a bad guy after all you know what i mean so yeah had he not murdered then i would agree with that yeah yeah but you know how like people viewed the police it's like oh well this guy did a good thing he took out four of them you know so oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, that's crazy man uh he, he could have went to get some counseling or something you know like something or went to a he could have went to a better college <laughs> 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 yeah, that a better college that he was looking for. I'm not gonna no disrespect to Utah. I'm just saying he could have went to a better college that suited him. That's what I'm. Yeah, he could, he could have went to a, even a black college if he wanted to. You know, he could have went to the south and and you know if, if that was really mm-hmm. what he wanted to, like he could have could have went the complete opposite or like you said mm-hmm. he could have went to Miami, could have went to colleges like that, but he chose Utah. I mean. <laughs> That's not that wouldn't be my first choice. Let's just no, sir. I'm telling you, but just him and Carl Malone just chilling. I mean, I mean, I'm white, and I still wouldn't pick Utah as my first choice. You know, I'd be like, yeah, it's a little too white for me. <laughs> What's too white, Doc? I'd be like, I need a little variety. You know, like <laughs> that's just not enough. <laughs> oh man, gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. Shout out to Utah. Yeah, exactly. We love you, Utah. Utah's beautiful. <laughs> but it's as white as snow. That's but it's as white as the whitest paper towel, boy. Frante. <laughs> the bar, I tell you, there's a lot of white people out here. Oh, man. What's that? Aren't they known for polygamy out there? Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, they have multiple wives. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, gotta love Utah. But uh, yeah, not just for, not for me. I don't think they believe in that song uh, by Jay Z where it says, "I got ninety nine problems, but uh, you know what? Ain't one." Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> they're all like, "I got ninety nine problems, and they're all my women." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like your oh. buddy goes. Your buddy goes, man. He goes, "I'm having a tough night, man, with the with the old lady," and then the and then the other guy at the bar is like, "Which one?" <laughs> it's like I don't that know. definitely that's definitely flying in utah yeah, yeah exactly that joke definitely flies in utah but uh <laughs> like i said y'all we ain't disrespecting utah we love it shout out to utah it's just mm-hmm. you know different it's different 
Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, no offense to the polygamist out there, but uh, I'd rather have multiple cars and multiple wives. That's, that's <laughs> I think I can handle the cars a lot better. Oh yeah, one's good enough. One is good enough. <laughs> Gabby's like, better be. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh man, you choked me. Whoa, pause, pause. pause. Yeah, pause, pause dude. Pause. Pause. Jeez. Stop it, guy. And on that note, <laughs> on that note, that was the story of Christopher Dorn. <laughs> so, oh man, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Sorry, we got a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Laughing. And we got off topic a little bit, but you know what? You got to have fun when you when you're doing stuff like this. So it's all in fun. We all we don't mean no harm, but got to have some fun, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not making fun of victims or nothing like that, or or what happened. It's just you know, it's always bungling cops, or we have little jokes here and there to lighten the mood because you don't want uh, you don't want the same stuff over and over. Where it's like, and he chopped her head off, and then he slit the wrist. <laughs> it's like too like, dark. <laughs> Yeah, like some of those podcasts where you just, you just is so boring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, you know, we got some little something on there, put a little spin, show y'all that we real. We're we're real. We ain't just, you know, one of them people. Other other podcasts that I've listened to, I ain't saying no names, but I've heard some other podcasts that do true crime and, yeah, yeah, really. Or you could tell they re- read from the Wikipedia, so it's like, hey, come on, yeah. So so uh. So yeah, that was it. Anything else, Doc? Uh, just I'll let them know where they can find us, and that's about it. You can find us on our Facebook page, Grinding True Crime Podcast, as well as our Instagram page, which is also Grinding True Crime Podcast. But if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And for our out-of-state listeners, shout out to all of you guys. You can listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker. And pocket cash. And then tell them where you can get the merch, Todd. Redbubble.com. Just type in Todd Fox 80 and you can find all the grinding true crime stuff. You can have coffee mugs, shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out. Thank you. Thank you. And if I said uh, out of the state, I meant out the country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll be like, man, well, our reach doesn't go that far. I was like, yeah, we, don't, we can't go to Memphis. <laughs> You guys know what I meant. For those who are out of the country, we love you guys. But uh, but yeah, that's it. Until next time, this is uh, your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today. Todd Fox. And the other host of the show. Gabby. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now to here. <laughs> 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 this